Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Thank you so much, Naima. Good morning. How are we doing? It's, it's that bad. Okay, okay. Now, how are we doing? Come on. With me in the room. With me in the room. Well, as Nai kindly said, yes, my name is Robin, and I'm part of the family here at Saint. And if you don't recognize me, that's because I spend most of my time over in our West Ham location over there with uh, Sai and Chloe, who lead the team over there. But it is great to be with you guys in the room, as well as you guys online. Right, well, let's crack on. If you've got a Bible, grab your Bibles. If it's a phone, whatever it looks like for you, uh, the words will come up on the screens as well. And as I said, yes, we're continuing our teaching series called uh, Character is... Oh, my gosh. I didn't know you had these things. That's so fun. Anyway, um, we're doing Character is Power. And today, yes, we are looking at the characteristic that nobody wants, but everybody needs self-control. Controlling oneself. So if you've got a Bible, turn to the book of Matthew. The first gospel, it's about five, no, four-fifths into the Bible is my best guess. Uh, chapter 3, and you'll find that just after chapter 2 um, and verse 16. All right, and I think the words will come up on the screen behind me, which is <laughs> so funny. This is bizarre. Sorry. And once you're there, verse 16, and we're going to read into chapter 4. It reads this. Uh, 16, here we go. As soon as Jesus was baptized... He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, (laughs) he was hungry. Shocker. The, dev- the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands. So that, no, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was to put myself in this story, if I was to put myself in Jesus' shoes, I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm not sure how long I would resist the devil's temptations, because truth be told, I had breakfast about four hours ago. I'm already hungry, but Jesus went 40 days 40 nights to then be told you have the power to turn stones into bread. The next thing you would see is me walking out of the wilderness, my arms full of bread, being like, look what I can do. I'd see a stone and be like sourdough. Um, I'd do well for myself in East London. But the truth is, temptations are everywhere, right? And they come in lots of different shapes and forms. From our screen times to what we watch on our screens. From what we spend our money on to how we risk our money. 
from what we want, how we want it, the way we respond, the way we react, and even the temptation to stay relevant to the people around us. Temptations come in forms of our emotions, our desires, and even our morals. We all face temptation. There is no hiding from it. It presents itself in different ways, different types, and on different levels. But one thing we can all say is that we all face temptation. And there is a level of comfort in that. The person next to you, if you were to look into their eyes, well, you might find temptation, but they also face temptation. The person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you, I myself up here, everybody faces temptation. And so if you're feeling worried that I'm talking about temptation, don't worry, you are not alone. But I don't want to settle for that. I want to get better at resisting temptation. I want to get better at self-control. I honestly live on the same street as a McDonald's. It's a serious problem for me. Now, I'm also a very practical guy. I was a builder for 10 years, and so I, the way I learn is very practical. So I'll watch someone, and I'll copy them, and then I'll watch them, and then I'll copy them. And so for us in this topic of self-control, what I've done is I find the most clear example of someone in the Bible who needs self-control, who faces temptation, but also resists. And so for us today, what our plan is, I don't know if you face temptation or not, but the plan is that we're going to go on a journey face, seeing basically where we are today. Most of us face temptation, and we're going to try and start from that position to work forward, hopefully to regain our steps into self-control. So if you're a note taker, point number one, self-control is not self-suppression. Self-control is not self-suppression. One of the first things that I do, the way I respond to giving in to temptation, whatever it might be, might be, whether it's jealousy, coveting, lust, greed, glutton, comparison, anger, whatever it might be, the first thing I do, oh, Robin, you're such an idiot, right? I don't know if I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I can't believe that I've done that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I tried that. I'm ashamed of who I am. I'm saying that with a smile. It's quite creepy when you say it, smile. But honestly, in the moment, it's raw, it's real, and it hurts. And essentially, I, or if you want to spiritualize it, the tempter, what the tempter makes me do is blame myself. I am the cause of my weakness. And I start accusing me in who I think I am. I question my identity, I attack my very worth, I doubt my integrity, and I become ashamed of who I am. And if that's not getting to you, realize this, when we face temptations, usually it's a moment when we're on our own. Whether there might be people around us, but internally we feel very alone. Where I am my most self. The most Robin I can be. No one else is around to judge me. My true self, and that is the person I'm ashamed of. So what do I do? I suppress that. I hide that from those around me. I'm embarrassed about my weaknesses. I shut off, shut off things even to God. I suppress them down. God, don't, don't look at this. And so we suppress our thoughts, feelings, and actions. But self-control is not self-suppression. It's not about being reserved in who we are. It's not about hiding our feelings. It's not about hiding or silencing ourselves. And it's not about becoming less of who we are. 
Self-control is about being self-intentional. Being intentional in who you are and being intentional in who you want to become. It's being intentional in what you say yes to and what you say no to. Self-control is also being self-assured in who you are and who you aren't. Verse 17 says this. A voice from heaven says, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I highlight this because for Jesus, it was in, in the affirmation of his identity that prepared him to be strong enough to face the devil's adversity. Essentially, Jesus uh, receives this affirmation saying, you are the son of God. I love you and I'm proud of you. He then spends 40 days fasting, which basically means 40 days praying, which basically means 40 days in the presence of God. It's only at that point is he strong enough spiritually to resist the temptations of the flesh. And so there is something in this, in learning who we are in God's eyes, that gives us strength to resist the temptations of the world. Because the the tempter, he is cunning. When we give in to temptation, he makes us feel ashamed of who we are. And if you've not felt that, we see it throughout the whole of Scripture. The very first sin, the first moment of the lack of self-control, Adam and Eve, Genesis uh, chapter 3, they take the apple resulting in sin. Now, the consequences of sin are huge, but what happens to the actual humans? They become ashamed of who they are, and they hide from God. They literally hide from God. Are you hiding from God this morning? Because in these moments where we need God the most, the tempter tricks us into hiding from God the best. It was about three years ago, I was in a car. It was myself, uh, my wife Kaz, Uh, The mighty Nate Hayes, who is in the room somewhere, and Chelsea, I saw her, Chelsea Hayes. So we're all in a car coming down from Stafford down to London. It's about a four, 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 five hour drive. And um, it was half midnight, so it was very late. Um, Everyone else was asleep, and and Nate was driving, so it was terrifying. No, I I was driving, and and it was about, um, we were still about two hours away from London when disaster struck. I think there's a picture. The car breaks down. And so um, the, the, flash, um, the, the dashboards were flashing, we pull over, and I'm like, guys, I'm really sorry, the car's broken down. And so we call the insurance up, we're like, hey, we're, we're stuck. They're like, okay, we're going to send you a tow lorry. We wait an hour and a half, so it's now 2 a.m. The lorry, he comes, and he's like, we're like, we're saved. And he's like, okay, uh, I've got some bad news. Um, legally, I'm only allowed to drive for another 10 minutes. I'm like, thank you for coming so far to tell me this. Um, but it's like, the good news is there's a service station literally around the corner. And so we hop in. I think there's another picture. We all hop in in the lorry. We're having the best time. We're, we're trying to make fun of this. And we get to the service station. I'm calling my insurance. Like, we can't send anyone to the morning. Um, but the good news is we'll, we'll put you up in whatever's there, like a travel lodge, holiday inn, whatever it is. And they're like, the bad news is there's one room. There's only one room. So we all like, we pitch in. And the best thing about this photo, which is the only reason I'm using it, is Nate is so happy about this. He's literally like, this is the best day ever. Like, sleepover. Anyway, but I say this, firstly, because it's kind of a funny story. But also, the idea of breaking down is a bit like us going through life and giving in to temptation. Because what happens is as if we, when we break down, we kind of think, there comes the tow lorry. Quickly hide the car and hide ourselves, we're so embarrassed, we don't want the help. And that kind of happens when I give into temptation. I'm like, oh God, no, don't look at me now, I'm so embarrassed. 
and I tried to push God away. And in that very moment, God was like, this is the very reason I sent my son to die. And this very moment. Sin and guilt and shame no longer are a barrier. But it's in those moments I suppress my guilt from God. God longs to run towards us. So I guess the first thing to take away from this morning is if you find yourself in those moments of weakness, hiding from God, can I encourage you to be brave and step out and say, God, I'm here. Take me as I am. Don't suppress it, but give it to God. And if you're brave enough, tell a friend, I am really struggling with this thing in my life. Someone you trust, a connect group, your pastor's here at church. Tell someone who breaks the shame off you. Point number two, self-control is self-defense. Self-control is self-defense. A little fact about me, I think there's another picture up. I am from a very large family. Um, I'm one of seven kids. I am uh, number five. I'm number five. Uh, there should be a picture. Here we are. Look at us. Aren't we lovely? Um, I am th- there's uh, four boys, three girls. Obviously, the one in the middle isn't a, a, a biological sister. She's a sister-in-law. Most of us are married, so we're a very big family. But I don't know if you can tell, I'm the youngest boy. And believe it or not, I was a very annoying younger brother. Um, and the rest of my brothers, they're big lads. Self-control was very much part of my survival as a teenager. But the thing is, with my parents, having seven kids under the age of nine, they had to have strategy in the house, how to keep us in order. And so one thing that they did was... Um, when we were teenagers, my dad would print out these things and these kind of like catchphrases and put them on the wall. I don't know if your parents did this, but when, when printers became a thing in the household, my, my parents like print everything. I don't know what it was. I, just, I know. But the, um, essentially, there was these catchphrases that my, my dad would put on the wall. And instead of, instead of like teaching us a lesson every time we kind of did something wrong, he'd be like, just use the catchphrase and we'd get what he's trying to tell us. But there was this one catchphrase that he would use. And it, essentially, as, as we grew up, he was teaching us the art of self-discipline. And the catchphrase was this. Don't feed the bear. Don't feed the bear. And if you say that in a house, we all know exactly what you're talking about. But essentially, um, go with me with, with your sort of imagination for a moment, because what it means is this. Let's say that you, you move out of London and you move to a log cabin in the middle of this massive forest. Let's say it's in, in Canada, this massive uh, pine, pine tree forest, and you're in this log cabin. A lot of you, that's your idea of hell. That's honestly, that's heaven for me. But you've moved to this cabin and there's no one else around for miles, but there's this lake and you go fishing there every day to catch your fish and so you can eat. Anyway, one day you're there and you catch your fish, you go back to your log cabin, everything's going great, but on, on, then there's this little, little scratch on the door. A little, little, not quite a knock, but a scratch on the door. And you, you go over and you open it and there it is. There's this cute little cub, a little bear. And you think, oh, he's sweet. He does that thing where you start scratching his tummy and it starts kind of doing that thing that dogs do. And um, you start building this little bond with this bear. You give it a name. Uh, I mean... Lawrence, let's go with Lawrence. Lawrence the bear. And um, you, you, you love this little thing, and you think, oh, he looks hungry. So you go and get one of your smallest fish, a little mackerel, and you think, okay, okay. So you throw it out the door, and the bear goes running. Close the door, end of the day. Now the next day, you go fishing, you come back, and there's another little scratch on the door, and Lawrence is back. Hey, Lawrence is back. And so you think, oh, he must have loved that little fish I gave him. So you, you do this thing again, you scratch his tummy, and he, he starts doing that thing, and you have this little, it's, you're basically you're building a relationship with this little Lawrence. Six months go by, again, now it's more of a knock, and, and you think, oh, Lawrence is here, and um, so you open the door, there's Lawrence, but he's, he's obviously a lot bigger now, and you think, okay, I need to give him maybe three or four fish this time, or just a big, large fish, so you do the same, but then the thing is, over 18 months, 
At this point, Lawrence is a fully grown bear. He no longer needs to knock on the door. He can just smash the door in and demand that you feed him because he's learned where he needs to go to be fed. We were taught from a young age, sin and temptation are a lot like this bear. It knows where it needs to go to be fed. It starts off so small, so innocent, so simple. Just say that curse word, it'll be funny. Have that drink too many, you'll have a blast. Watch that video, no one knows, it'll be fine. Honestly, I don't know what you're worrying about. So you feed it. Didn't seem to matter too much. The next day it comes back. When the devil comes knocking on the door of Jesus' cabin, if you like, every time the tempter knocks on Jesus' door, he uses the same word, if. If you are the son of man, the son of God, sorry, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. If you will bow down to me, all this I give you. See, the devil, he's not just random with how he tempts. He knows exactly what he's doing when he's tempting Jesus because he has one job right now. The devil has one job in our passage today and that's to make Jesus doubt for a second who he is. If the devil can make Jesus doubt literally for a second, the whole rescue mission of God has fallen. And so it is with us. The things God is calling us to do, the person God is calling you to be, is where you'll feel the most tension. Again, the devil's not random how he tempts you. He's tempting you out of the promise that God's calling you into. And amongst more personal callings, we are all called to holiness. We are all called to purity. So it's no strange thing that in this world, those are two areas the devil loves to tempt us out of. So I guess to land our second point, Jesus shows that it was in his previous acts of self-control of spending time in the scriptures that meant he could use them as self-defense when the tempter came to twist the scriptures. It's this idea of looking after our future selves, being intentional on who you are and who you want to become. We live in a world where it's buy now, pay later. That's essentially sin. Do it now, it's fine. You'll pay down the line. But self-control, as with discipleship, it costs you now. I'm not going to lie from up here. It costs. You've got to sacrifice time in your day to spend time with God, to read your scriptures. That costs. Sometimes you've got to sacrifice things for that. But the truth is that will come as a self-defense, as a blessing in the future. So thirdly, and this is where things cheer up a little bit. Self-control is not self-dependence. Self-control is not self-dependence. You do not need to muster up the courage and the power within you to be controlled. You do not need to do it in your own power. If you are in a situation now where perhaps the bear feels pretty big, pretty intimidating, Maybe actually you feel like it's game over. This habit, you can't shake it. The good news is that you do not need to be stronger than this bear. The whole point of our passage is that Christ is already stronger. 
Jesus has overcome the devil and all of his temptations. And the good news is that Christ can live in you. If you have confessed Christ as Lord, if you have asked the Holy Spirit to fill you, what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit is a bit, a bit like a goodie bag. God is a good God. He gives us good gifts. He knows we're going to face trials and temptations. So he gives us tools. The Bible calls them fruits of the Spirit. I think there's a verse to come up. Galatians 5.22. This is the Spirit that you can have within you. It's the Spirit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Elsewhere in 2 Timothy 1.7. For the Spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. These are tools that God gives you freely. The truth is, I, I, as Robin, I might not be able to resist all the temptations the devil throws at me, but the Christ in me is. The spirit that defeated tempt- the temptation in Matthew 4, 1 to 11, is the same spirit that lives in me. And this is not something we have to earn to prove to God we're worthy of this tool. But, and this is the caution I give you today, this is something you choose to exercise. In every scenario where you need self-control, it comes with an option. You don't have to use it. It's a gift that God gives us. And actually the way I want to kind of land today is I kind of was going to call people up if they want a specific prayer, but actually I felt God say, actually, we all need prayer for this. Sometimes our pride can get in the way of that. Every one of us faces temptations. It doesn't mean we all give in. It doesn't mean we all face it in the same way. But it's a battle we're all in. So the way I'd love to land today is actually just by praying for all of us. And if, you, if today you feel like you need specific prayer or support, please grab someone, grab myself or Nye or Nate or Kaz or someone on the team. Please grab prayer if you feel like you need specific prayer. But I'd love to pray for all of us, including you guys online as well. So if the band want to come up, and if the rest of us, we want to stand, if it's okay, I'd love just to pray for us all. And I kind of want to circle back to the very beginning. We all face temptations in different ways, from our screen time to what we watch on our screens, to what we spend our money on to how we risk our money, from what we want, how we want it, the way we respond, the way we react, and the way we try to stay relevant. I don't know if any of that sort of sparks something in you. I don't know if as I've been speaking about temptations, there's a slight part of you that's just dying inside of embarrassment or don't, don't bring this up. I'd just love to pray. I've given some very practical advice for spending time in the scriptures, using them as self-defense, if you like. But the truth is, this whole thing is a private matter between you and God. It's, it's not really any of my business. And so I'm just going to pray and then we're just going to wait. And I encourage you just to pray in your own heart. God knows exactly what's going on. And number one, don't suppress it. 
God is a good God. He won't barge his way past you. He waits for us to lift it to him. And so if you're comfortable, close your eyes and I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God. A God of grace and a God of power. A God of compassion and a God of strength. Jesus, we thank you that you displayed such commitment to the love of God. Will you fill us with that same spirit right now? moments where we've given in to anger, jealousy, lust, comparison, coveting, greed, gluttony. Will you forgive us? And will you refresh us? We say no to that lie where the devil tells us we have to do it in our own strength. That's our problem. It's our weakness. And we say yes to the spirit that gives us self-control. Gives us peace. I'm going to stop talking now but at this moment I'd love you just to start praying with God and talk to him and don't be embarrassed he knows he's already forgiven you thanks for listening to this week's talk if you'd like to find out more give or connect with us visit our website saint.church have a great week and we'll see you soon